0: Okay, so it's 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 all very natural, very laid back. You know, don't worry about like messing up or anything like that. Okay, that's why I edit. Okay, um, sounds good. So Ana you you grew up in Guanajuato, Guanajuato City, or just the state of Guanajuato? The
1: state of Guanajuato. Okay. I'm from León. You're from León. León, Guanajuato. Okay, there we go. Yes.
0: So what I- growing up, what what were you what were you a fan of? What did you geek out about? What did you love as a fan? I mean, were you into ice music, skating. ice skating, music, ice skating, music? What got you into ice skating?
1: My mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I started ice skating when I was 6. So I, I don't think I had much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I just like started doing it and then I just did it mindlessly for years until I was 15 or so and they closed the only ice rink there was in Leon. So then I couldn't do it. And that's when I like started looking for other things to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when looking for other things to do other things to entertain yourself with, I mean, was it was it TV, was it movies, books? You know, what did you you gravitate to?
1: All of that, yeah. I played uh, football, soccer. Mm -hmm, Football, no, that's the correct (laughs) word, (laughs) football. (laughs) Yeah, for for all of high school, and then I started taking music lessons. I had taken music lessons before. I tried playing the piano when I was little, but I just, like, never got good at it. So I gave it a second chance when I was 15, and I had nothing to do. I guess I was just so used to being at the ice rink for, like, half of my day, I would go there right after school and just practice and like be with my friends there, si- at like until, you know, 10 p.m. or something. So it was like a big changing point in my life, and it was really weird to like not see my friends anymore and have to make real friends at school. <laughs> um, so then I started getting into like sports at school, and I started like reading a little bit more and getting into film a lot. Like I would just go to Blockbuster at the time and like. Pick any movie that looked weird and interesting to me, and I don't think my mom ever knew what I was renting because like she couldn't see the cover. <laughs> so I would like be renting all these like weird like John Waters movies, and it sh- I'm like I this d- is like an. Pink anime. flamingos. Yeah. What do you think? Pink flamingos. I love pink flamingos. I love like you know, Coen brothers. I loved um, uh, like I don't know, Vincent Price at the time. Like a lot of horror movies. Like I watched. What were like some oh of the
0: Vincent Price movies that you liked?
1: I li- you know I met. Vincent Price, or I knew of Vincent Price through Tim Burton, because he used him in, like, what was it? Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands, and didn't he narrate, like... The Frank and Weenie short. Frank and Weenie short, yeah. So then, like, that's how I found out. I loved, like, campy horror films, you know, just, like... I don't know. There's, like, so many that I like. It's, like, hard to think of them when, like, I'm talking about them. But, like, I love horror yeah, as a genre. Yeah, the Abominable Dr. Rae.
0: Fibes, you know, th- thinking of Vincent Price, you know, just yeah, really, yeah. really crazy over-the-top stuff.
1: Uh, And, like, uh, yeah, like, can't be horror films. Horror films in general. Like, I started getting into shows. Like, I love Twin Peaks. Um, what else was I watching? I was watching... Out right now. No, it's okay. They got um, you. They got you at the
0: very end of a day to do an interview. Yeah, happens. I've
1: been like <laughs> running. Or ar- I had like three consecutive seventeen-hour days, like of working, um, and, I, and then I flew here today. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm like so ba- brain dead. um uh, Let me think. What What else was I watching? So I guess like in in like before high school, I like really loved the first like Tim Burton stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of funny to say now, because now it's become like such a hot topic I- icon that yeah. you're just like, eh, no one likes him anymore. But I really liked him back then. I thought he was really cool, like the stuff he was doing back then. I love like I don't know, Rosemary's Baby and uh, Psycho, like Hitchcock films, and um, some like you know, foreign films like uh, Let the Right One In mm-hmm. was one of my favorites back then too. Um, yeah, mostly horror films, like, foreign and, like, uh, American films, and um, I love fashion, but not just, like, the fashion that's, like, you know, on, like, Snapchat or whatever, like, I love, like, watching, like, I don't know, like, um, the woman from Com de Garcon, what's her name, Uh, oh, my God, I know her name, I always forget about it, (laughs) Uh, May, May, how, I don't have my phone, well, yes, do you want to pull it up yeah. let's see
0: okay 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 make
1: Kawakubo or me m-a-e mm, m-i-m-a-i i think oh no ray ray she's ray not me she's ray Ka- kawakubo or something r-a-i and then her last name starts with a k Isn't showing up. Here,
0: I'm, I'm failing. I'm failing massively. Oh no. Here. Let's see. Use Google.
1: Oh, and like one of my horror film favorite horror films too, like Japanese, like Ringu, and mm-hmm. then like Haosu. Yeah. Like, have you seen Haosu? Yeah, I've got it's I've got,
0: so got the good. I've got st- uh, decal stickers of the the big orange cat face. A friend of mine did the design for Criterion's poster and and DVD release of it.
1: Breakout Kubo. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's so cool. He did the DVD. Yeah, of it? yeah, yeah. He, well, oh. he did. He,
0: he, I mean, he was just pulling directly from the film. Oh, But, so but cool. that, and, and he, he was the one who convinced them to make t shirts of it mm-hmm. because they were like, I don't know. I mean, why, why would people buy orange t shirts of this scary cat face? Yeah. And they're like, well, the, they'll see the movie and then they will want it. Or they'll just see the iconography of it and, mm-hmm. and love it and like it.
1: Yeah. That's so cool. I love that movie. I, f- I saw it in high school, and I'm like, what is this? Like, what <laughs> am I watching? But I loved it, and I feel of like I often felt that way about a lot of things that I watched back then. Um, but yeah, like fashion, like Rei Kawakubo, it's like very inspiring stuff, you know. Um.
0: Wh- what is it about her, her design sensibility that, that attracts you? What is it that makes her stand out?
1: I like her because she, she's not designing things for anyone specifically, like her clothing and like the stuff that she designs is pretty genderless which is really cool i like that she's um not designing for you know things that like are form-fitting and like Mm. you know that you know give women cleavage and like look their butts look really big (laughs) you know or whatever it's just like uh it's more just like art uh like fine art and like you know like almost like performance art or something i just saw one of her shows at the Met in New York um, this past summer, and it was really cool. It was awesome because she had all these like different little stations, and they all had themes. Like there was like one that was based on like uh, female Japanese samurais, that was really cool. And then there was one that was based on like brides, and but it's all distorted and like you know lack of it's it lacks shape, so it's not anything anyone would wear in real life. <laughs> And she has, like, her own, like, brand called Gum de Gason And, like, that's also kind of genderless. And I feel like she has that brand to get money so she can do her art. And that's, like, the other costume stuff that she does. And it's awesome. I really like that. Um, I love, like, graphic design and, you know, like, poster design from, like, the 50s and the 70s and 60s. Like, the Polish posters are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um And a lot of illustrators who kind of like work with uh, uh, graphic design, but also illustration. um, You know, I love like Sasek, and I love like Ludwig Bemelmans, uh, who illustrated Madeline, and I love like all of the New Yorker designers from the fifties, like who was uh, uh, the guy who designed the Adams family, Charles Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's awesome <laughs> <laughs> He was like a cartoonist for The New Yorker and then he came up with the idea of like the Adams family uh, and it started as a comic for a newspaper It's like so cool and like I love Sanpe, um, French uh, cartoonist for The New Yorker too and then he ended up like just doing his own books and like illustration work and it's really really beautiful um, and you know I love like fine art paintings like I don't know. Gauguin and like Matisse and I love their work because it's very expressive um, and Egon Shiel too it's very cool it's just so like kind of like it's so expressive like they're not trying to make something look very nice and like very technical it's more just about like you know feeling and expression and like color and I love that so.
0: Uh, One of the wonderful things that you talked about in your talk was was your, your attraction to like New Yorker cartoons, Matisse, the expressiveness of, of art um, and I'm, uh, it's something that I see in, in the art that you showed us in there that's in the children's book. There's, there's definitely that influence of like a Charles Adams cartooning background and uh, the, the, the almost a, a sensibility of typography as it applies to the art. You know, y- you're not like, you're not doing art that's cut out in wood blocks like letters being you know, put through a letterpress or something. But there is that kind of hand-wrought, you know, this stuff lives on paper, this stuff came, you know, out of somebody's hands, not connected to a mouse, but to a pencil, to a pen, to, to a paintbrush, mm. that kind of thing. Is that is that what you felt the most drawn to when your mom convinced you to do this line art class in high school?
1: Yes, so it, was a li- it wasn't It was a line drawing class, it was a life drawing class. Life drawing, okay. Yeah, so we had, um, I think that, ma- yeah, they <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Uh, uh, we... He, she took me to a life drawing class, and the first class that I took was model based. So we just like s- look at the naked model of you know, and then like draw the model, and it was really cool. And I think something that I found very cool and interesting and like exciting was the fact that like I went into this class and like no one was like saying anything about the fact that there was a naked person in front of me, you know and that's what that's when i was like oh these people are serious you know and i was like super excited about that because i feel like i don't know especially in like the community that i grew up in like everyone would just not accept a lot of things you know somebody with their clothes off this is terrible yeah so i was just like this is so cool um but i think i did love just working with charcoal and like getting my hands dirty and like having paint in my hands and I was like, I just want to experiment with this and smudge it and see what happens, you know, which is something that doesn't often happen when you work digitally. So as much as I can, I try to always draw by hand on paper and well, of course by hand, but (laughs) I always try to draw um, with real, you know, traditional medium on paper and paint and, you know, charcoal and, you know, graphite or, you know, as much as I can because that's what makes me happy. Like I love sometimes using Photoshop, and it's great, and it's like fast, and it's easier uh, sometimes. But like, I feel like it doesn't quite communicate what I. It doesn't. It doesn't quite translate, and, and it doesn't always help me communicate what I want to communicate because, I take longer sometimes trying to come up with all these textures digitally when it, it could be so much easier to just like do it on paper. Yeah, we know. come
0: out in the flaw, the flaws of of, of hand work
1: yeah but i think for sure like taking that class that's when i like found out that that's like kind of what i wanted to do and i think in a way just like the fact that i started drawing later uh kept me away from like a lot of like drawing stereotypes that are like um very uh predominant right now you know it's just like that you're very not trying
0: to match your style to what is happening, you're finding your style and sticking with that.
1: Yeah, like I think that there's a lot of shows that kind of influence the way that people draw right now, like people my age, and that's really cool, um, but it's very obvious when, you know, that's the case, and I didn't grow up drawing those characters or anything, so I feel like in a way I feel lucky that I kind of stood, you know, stayed away from that, and that I was able to discover drawing a little bit later because I could just, Focus on what I was interested in at that time, which was, you know, these uh, examples that I gave you earlier, like, you know, New Yorker cartoonists and like fine artists who just were very expressive. So, I think I kind of owe, owe it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, you, you uh, I, I grew up in Texas. You grew up in Guanajuato. We have, uh, uh, I guess, culturally, there's a lot of things in common. You know, in, in kind of a a place where life drawing just seems like a strange thing to do. Yeah. Um. You know, your, your dad was a shoemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you have that in common with Miguel from Coco. Um, uh, yeah. You know, do, do you feel like growing up, you had that support from your family, from the people around you to do something artistic and do something different? Or or was it something that you found your way to um, uh, by accident? Were you already being encouraged in the direction of just, you know, doing doing where your dreams took you?
1: Um, yes and no. Like, I feel... I feel like when I wanted to, like, be a musician, I didn't feel as supported back then. Like, looking b- looking back now, I'm like, yeah, of course they supported me, because they wouldn't have been paying for those lessons had they not wanted me to learn, you know? Um, but I think once they saw that, like, I took lessons for years and I wasn't improving, that's when they were like, okay, buddy, you know, time <laughs> to move on and try something else. So... I actually feel very lucky because my mom's the one who suggested I took my dr- my first drawing class. Um, whereas like some of my friends who wanted to go into a creative field uh, were told no by their parents, and you know they had to kind of like pick something else to do. But I'm like, that doesn't make sense because in the end, even if you're going um, down a path that would generally make you know someone else a lot of money if you don't enjoy it, like, you're not going to be good at it, so you're not going to make money out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess some people are good at stuff they don't enjoy, but it's always better when you do it and enjoy it. So I'm like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, there is a lot of opportunity. There are a lot of opportunities, and there are a lot of jobs in the creative fields, you know, like drawing and painting and, like, music and stuff. It's just, like, a matter of, like, doing it and working hard towards that goal until you, like, get there. But yeah, I do feel very lucky that my parents were always very supportive in everything that I did. Um, but I'm also very aware that it's not the case for everyone. So, you know, I feel like parents out there should try to be more supportive to their kids and, and listen to them. I did feel at a point that, like, I didn't really have a lot of credibility because growing up, I wasn't like an you know A student or anything. I was pretty average. I wasn't a bad student, but I was, a. V- I f- I always feel like I have, like, undiagnosed ADD or something, just because, like, it was so hard for me to focus in school, and I had to read everything, like, two or three times, because it just wouldn't stick, Now it's like, what's wrong with me? Like, I want to get better, but, like, I just can't seem to focus and, like, you know, learn things as fast as, like, other people, and I think part of it is, like, that creative side of me was there, and, like, Everyone just learns so differently, you know? Like, some people learn by, like, doing activities, like kinetic education. And, like, mm-hmm. some people learn by, like, reading stuff. Some people lo- learn by, like, looking at images. And I'm very bad at learning things with just facts. And, like, they tell me th- something because that's the way that it happened. And there's no explanation, you know? So it's like every time for math, like, I was very bad at math and science and stuff because I'd ask a lot of questions and I'd be like, why is this like this? Why is this formula like this? And they'd be like, because, because, you know, like that's the way that it's on the book. So I'm like, I don't understand. And like, I would be very bad at it because I just didn't understand why. Um, So I was always average. And like, um, I would fail some subjects, but do really well at others. um, So, you know, yeah, average student. And then uh, when I wanted to go to CalArts, that was like something kind of new, but I had already like, you know, I don't know, I was kind of a rebel growing up and like, in high school, and, like, my parents just, like, thought that I was, like, just saying things to say to them, and, like, that I wasn't sure of what I wanted to do, and they thought that I was, like, you know, very rebellious, so, like, when I was, like, I want to go to CalArts, even though my mom encouraged me to draw, they're, like, well, you know, your friend Alonso's going there, and he's drawn his whole life, And it's the School of Disney, and I feel like they kind of didn't believe that I would be able to get in because I didn't have that background. Um, And they never told me that, but I could tell, you know. Yeah, you could read it off of them. Yeah, I I, I got that vibe all the time where, like, they would just be like, uh uh-huh, yeah, like, just keep drawing, you know. But, like, I could tell that it, like, they just didn't think that I would. And then I kept asking my dad, like, can I go study abroad? And he's like, well, you have to get in first. But it's because, like, he didn't think that I would. And then once I got in, he's like, what, 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 like, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did I agree to? Yeah,
1: what, yeah, exactly. What did I agree to? You're going to go how far away? Yeah, and then, um, yeah, and then I did, and it was fine. And, like, they have been so supportive all the way and, like, done so much for me. And, of course, it's because, like, they believe in me.
0: Well, there's yeah. so many different areas that you can focus in at an art school. From that point that you knew that you wanted to go to CalArts, that you went and ended up going to ESMA and then ended up going to CalArts after that, did you know that you wanted to go specifically into animation, or was that one of a few different options that you were thinking might be possible? Was, was that focus already there, or did you find your way to it?
1: I think I just kind of became obsessed with the idea of going into animation because once I found out about CalArts, I started looking at all the – student work that was coming out of CalArts and it was like so inspiring like I remember looking at like Lorelei Bobet's films and you know it's very like Mary Blair and like beautiful and like traditional painting you know she like did it all with gouache and I was like this is so beautiful like how does anyone do this and then I saw a lot of like other films that were just like really funny even though their art was like not my favorite but they were great stories you know and like i don't know i just like was so like shocked by the fact that anyone 18 or 19 could do something like that at school you know and i was like wow you're you're going to school to draw like you're literally just making cartoons Mm -hmm. um so that's i just like wanted to draw and i thought that's what i would do but of course once i got there like It's a film school, so I wasn't just, like, learning how to make cartoons and draw, because no one teaches you how to draw. Like, once you get there, you're just, like, in film school. So then, um, you know, I then later gravitated towards theater and film mostly, and I was, of course, like, making animated films films, but I was very interested in, like, you know, the, you know, Disney Imagineering, like mm-hmm. I think for my first two years I was like, I wanna build stuff, like I wanna work in set design and make cool stuff. you know. And then I worked, I like took stop motion classes and I loved like the puppet fabrication part of it and like building sets, like that was always so fun for me because it's very hands on, you're like moving around and like building stuff with your hands. Um, and then I took like a lighting class for theater, I took cello at school, I took like African dance and African song, <laughs> and that was so cool. I took costume design and I learned how to sew, and I was working for theater production, like helping out people who were studying costume design, so then I would help them sew stuff, and that was like, uh, like an independent study. So I got to do it three hours a-, a week, which was enough for me, you know, to do that in like. I don't know, like all that stuff ended up informing my practice and what I do today, because I can incorporate like so much of like the theater and costume design stuff that I learned on my current job, um, but also like I don't know, like as a student is the time when you're a student, that's the time to like make mistakes and try things and like discover what you like. So I knew that I was at the right place because it's this like liberal arts school, and you get like all these choices and like options. And we only had like a school program, a a program of fine art, film program, writing program, did I say music? I think so. Uh, Well, it's like five things, but, and then like, you know, within like the art uh, department, they have graphic design, but it's very like artistic and there's a lot of like screen printing and stuff. And I did a lot of that too. I took screen printing class and that was awesome.
0: What was, uh, what was the process of screen printing like this? Uh, mm. Silk screening is something that, that fascinates me. I love. I've, I've done myself. But yeah. people don't understand how, how much of a, a real visceral hands-on kind of a thing oh it is. Yeah. How, d- how, does it, how does it work? I mean, for, for maybe people who have never seen it don't know what actually goes into the final product.
1: Yeah. So then I would come up with a design mm-hmm. and it was usually kind of like a blocky design like with not a lot of details because um, I'm not a pro at it. <laughs> so I like you know made like a very blocky bold you know shape design and then I would scan that into Photoshop no yeah scan that and like adjust the levels in Photoshop and stuff and then um, export it and print it out and then I would take the screen and then use that design on top of the screen and put it in this like big machine that like shoots light so that your drawing stays on the screen because the light um how would you explain that like the light kind of goes through the screen but because there's this like big blob of ink it's blocked so then it stays on the screen mm-hmm. and then after that you like get your paper ready and you choose any paper that you want and then um you put it over under the screen on one side of the screen and you kind of like tape it so it's i don't was that after or before no you yeah, take you it you off you tape you y- tape yeah. it before and then you like take it off and like have this like paper underneath and you put the screen on top and then on top of the screen you put this like uh, special paint uh is it just called paint i forgot yeah it's i mean like paint or yeah it's or just or like, like ink yeah exactly ink so you put a specific ink um, and they had a f- they had a lot of colors at the store. I always like choosing like the metallic ones, so I mm-hmm. would always get like gold or like silver. And then you p- like put a little bit on top and at the bottom of your screen, and then you have this. Um, what do you it's call like it? A like a. Um, uh, it's not a handle, is it? It's like a.
0: It has a handle on it, but it's yeah, like a like a. Um
1: like a wooden stick or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I I like don't know the name of this thing. It's so complicated to explain. Okay, so then it's like this wooden thing and then you like, you know, get it get ink on it and then you kind of like go up and down once. Yeah. And then your design that's on your screen is transferred to your p- onto your paper.
0: Yeah, it's li- it's like a it's like a a, a paper cutout. Yes. So wherever the cutout is that that's where the paint goes and, and and you can do multiple layers, multiple designs layered yes. on top of each other and then you get this final product and and you d- unless you're actually doing it, you don't necessarily see that layer by layer by layer work that goes into it.
1: It's true. I only ever did two layers because mm-hmm. three was too hard for me but some people do like crazy layering and like you know you can do each layer with different uh, ink. So then, the process is so long for that because you have to like put it aside and let those dry, and then do the process again. So each layer is a different screen. So you can't do every layer on one screen. You have to like perfectly register everything that you design on the screen. Yeah. Because everything has to be
0: lined up every single time. Everything. Yeah.
1: Because otherwise, it just kind of like moves and then it screws up your design. You know. So like every screen has to have like perfect lining and like register it has to be, like, yeah, registered and taped in the r- exact same place so that it doesn't move and you can uh, just, like, move the paper and put it on the same spot. So I would have, like, tape uh, marks on my table and p- always place the paper and the screen on the same spot. So it's a very complicated <laughs> uh, process, but I love taking it, and I lived with graphic designers three out of my four years of school, so I think they got me into it, and that was another part of, like, my inspiration I really loved doing that in school and I really enjoyed graphic design I did it on Coco and I had I said I've never done it before because like I didn't go to school for that but maybe Harley wanted me to do it because he kind of like saw something you know I don't know
0: <laughs> well one of the things that um, that, that you have mentioned uh, that I've read that you really really love in particular you mentioned it a moment ago is gouache and it's radically simpler to explain <laughs> than silk screening but yeah. wh- wh- what is it that you loved about working in gouache. Uh, it's it's a style that uh, now because of the new Zelda game that's out I can go, "Yeah, it's like the look that they have in the new Zelda game." Oh yeah, um, Breath
1: of the Wild. Breath
0: of the Wild. It's so good. So good. Yeah. So 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 what wh- wh- what introduced you to gouache? Was it something that you were introduced to in class, is it something that, you know, you were introduced to earlier on, you know, before you went to art school?
1: Uh I so I guess like I knew of Mary Blair before I started going to school um, because I knew that she had designed, like, it's a small world, Mm -hmm. and then I ran into this book called Dream Worlds. um, Was it Dream Worlds? No, I don't think it was that one. I don't know. Someone posted on their blog this, like, oh, it's called The the Art and Flair of Mary Blair. (laughs) So it's, like, a a book of her art. And... um, someone like posted a few pages of her artwork and she worked on like Peter Pan, like doing visual development and she worked on Cinderella and like a bunch of like Disney films and like design that right. Uh, it's a small world that now it's like so dated. <laughs> it's still so cute. Um, and I like, s- I like loved her work so much. And the reason why I loved it back then, I think it's cause she actually traveled to Mexico and South America. And a lot of her work is based on that. Like it's like very like, It looks very, uh, you know, Hispanic. So I thought... Very colorful, too. It's so colorful, yeah. So I kind of... When I first saw her work, I thought she was, like, maybe, like, Mexican or something because she had a lot of that. Then I realized that's, like, visual development work she did for the three amigos. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, man. But, like, I just, like, really, really love her work. And she uses gouache for all her paintings, so I think that's when I started to experiment with the medium, and this was before I went to school. So a lot of the paintings that I did for my portfolio were done in gouache. And at this time, you know, I was, like, just trying to copy everything she did because yeah. I was just, like, I just loved her. And I was like, it's Disney. They will like me if I do this, you know. And, of course, later I realized that's not the case. And it's like, no, if they already have Lorelai, why would they want me? <laughs> <laughs> they don't want two of the same. But uh, I just kept working with the medium and kind of, like, turn it into my own and then there's like these illustrators that uh, were a couple and worked together Alice and Martin Provinson, they're like amazing and they were like my main inspiration for Coco like I really love their work because they use gouache and watercolor and ink but it's like very textural it's like very like handmade you know you just like can like feel and like I just like want to touch the texture and like that's what I love it's like so expressive but like their color palettes and like everything's like so exquisite and like refined and like elegant like it's so so nice and I loved it way more than like Mary Blair or anything not because I don't love her work anymore but I was like this is like this is awesome you know like it just like blew me away Um, so you know there's all these illustrators that I really admire you know like the know also like i mentioned the madeline book too like ludwig bemelmans did a lot of illustration work that i like really really love and he also used you know ink and gouache um a lot for you know his work and stuff so i don't know i just kind of learned to know learn learn uh that like um that's just the medium that a lot of children illustrators use and then you know i found out like some painters that i admire also used a lot of gouache or acrylic and stuff and i like it specifically because it dries really fast like if i use oil that takes forever like that just like you you have to wait so long you have to wait
0: years for it to dry yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and it smells and like it gives me a headache <laughs> and it, it looks beautiful but i just like don't have the unless patience unless you have a well it.
0: ventilated room it's yeah it's c- literally a headache
1: it's true yeah and i think i also like my ter- attention spans really short and, like, I'm so impatient with everything. That's why I'm bad at cooking because I just burn everything because I'm, like, high heat because I <laughs> want this to cook fast. So I, I gouache is, like, awesome because of it just dries so fast. Uh, and watercolor, too. I think those two are my favorite. I've discovered watercolor is, like, maybe my new favorite in charcoal. So maybe I'll do more work with that moving forward. But, yeah, just, like, exploring new mediums that are easy and fast to use.
0: One of my favorite things that, that you um, that you touched on in the talk, and I, I've got audio of that, and so I'm going to be using some of the stuff that you said in that, and that's why I haven't been going back over a bunch of that stuff okay. uh, already. Is I, as as an actor, when I was an actor before I retired, I yeah. just unretired, <laughs> um, I ran away from uh, from my own culture and being typecast as the Cuban guy, or you know mm-hmm. the you know the Chinese Cuban guy, or you know the, the weird mixed guy that nobody could tell what he is, who, you know, has an oh accent yeah. or whatever. And you mentioned that in, in your portfolio and, and the way that you presented yourself, you worried about being um, being tight. And, and did, yeah. you, you, did you find yourself very directly running away from being classified as, oh, this is the Mexican artist with the Mexican style and that. Is, is that something that you found yourself very actively doing?
1: Yes, yes, for sure. Um, I didn't actually think that until I got that internship. And then, like, I feel like a lot of people were like, "Oh, she just got it because, like, she's Mexican," you know?
0: Yeah, they give you the oh, she's the she's the diversity hire. She's the yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, like she they, she just got it c- exactly. Yeah, but I'm like, it's not well that she's
0: talented. It's not that she's amazing.
1: Yeah, but yeah. it's like there's so many Mexicans in the world in anim- you know maybe not working at those companies but like in animation like they could have picked other people, you know, and, like, there were a few at Keller's that are super equal, you know, so talented and more talented than me, and so, I don't know, I think it was just, like, timing and luck, of course, but it's, like, of course it has to do with your work, too, you know, and, like, that's something that I didn't understand back then, and I was, like, yeah, it's probably the only reason, like, just because I'm Mexican, but that's fine, you know, I'll prove them wrong, <laughs> um, but then, once I was on the project, it ended up being, like, my secret weapon, because I ended up getting a lot more exposure on this film because I'm Mexican, and because I was able to kind of like exploit that, you know, at Pixar and just like use that towards my advantage. So it's like if this is why I'm here, you know, quote unquote, like, um, then I'm gonna make the best of that, you know, and like try to use it toward to my advantage as much as I can. So that's what I did. But, I, but now that Coco's out, of course, I'm like, you know, I still feel the same way. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, Anna's like, you know, Anna did well because she was like one of, th- like, I was the only Mexican on yeah. the art department. Well, like it's
0: like ta- taking high school Spanish. The, you know, the, the gringo kids were like, well, that's not fair. They're yeah. already bilingual. <laughs> Yeah, You know, it's not fair. How, how dare you? And I'm like, well, uh, look, you guys have advantages in other areas. Yeah, You know, this is mine. This is my one thing that I get.
1: It's true. And it's not your fault. It no. You know, it's like you just, like, happen to fall into that position and, and like, for one s- thing or the other. And, like, j- that's those are just the circumstances. But, like, yeah, I feel like I, I felt afraid of that at some point. And, like, what if after Coco, I don't get to stay at pixar because this is all i was hired to do and this is really all i can do and like i have to go find another job about you know on a project that's like about mexico or like latin culture or something you know and then i actually got like two uh, two people two publishers wrote me before coco came out asking me to illustrate books for them um but they were all about you know latina characters and like based in one, one was based in Guatemala and the other one was based in Peru mm-hmm. and Then I'm like this is cool and like w- the Peruvian one was like not even Peruvian Like she was just kind of this ambiguous character and they're like well We're just trying to represent Latin America, and I'm like, okay, but where is she from and she you know sh- They w- wouldn't tell me they're like she's ambiguous and I'm like where is she based like that's not authentic, you know it's like so anyway, I I turned those down because i'm like if i just keep making these kinds of projects that's all i'm ever gonna get to do and of course like i would love to keep doing that because we need more representation right and like i want to keep making things that will promote you know how beautiful my culture is and stuff but at the same time like that's not all i can do so i turned those down and eventually you know i got offered a different project and i got put in a different project at pixar that's not about anything related to like Latin America or like where I'm from or anything and I'm just like a normal artist there, which makes me really happy, you know, cause it's like, oh, phew, finally, <laughs> yeah. you know, like.
0: Pixar is kind of the United Nations of talented people. like
1: Yeah, Pixar is very progressive. I'm, yeah. a, I'm very happy to be there. They're all about inclusivity and like they're doing a very conscious effort right now to like balance things out, you know, in terms of like gender and, you know, in terms of like ethnicity and stuff. And of course, that's not going to change in one week or a year. But like, they're really trying to accelerate the, you know, process of these things. Um, of they're trying to accelerate the process of of. Um uh, uh,
0: diversity and inclusion, dip- you know.
1: Yeah. Y- yeah. Of how, of, of I'm how fast this I'm happens. thinking in Spanish too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like. Uh, <laughs> I'm like. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So then i'm very happy that that's not the case and that now i'm on a different project where i feel you know very scared but also like kind of comfortable because mm-hmm. i'm like i learned a lot on coco and it makes me it gives me kind of peace on, peace of mind to know that's not the only reason why they hired me and like you know they decided to keep me after coco because at pixar they hire you for every sh- for a show specifically mm-hmm. so when you first start your run of show so that means that you do have like a normal contract with benefits and stuff, but you're not full time. You just like get to be uh, on that show that you were hired for until it's done. And then we'll see, you know, some people leave, some people stay. So I was like, I might just have to, you know, they might fire me after this, but they're like, no, we totally like want to keep you and stuff. But it's really hard to stay away from stereotypes and being like typecast. And a lot of people deal with that. So many people deal with that, like, I have a friend who's an illustrator in France, and he works from home, but he gets hired to do a lot of illustration for the U.S., and all they ever ask him to do is, like, French-inspired art, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, well, I l- it's cool because it's familiar, but, like, I want to do something else, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I know what you mean. So it's kind of hard, but you just kind of have to pick and choose your projects and at some point turn something really awesome down just to avoid keep doing that.
0: Before you left for art school, did did you feel like you embraced your culture, or you or you ran away from it a little bit? I mean, y- you were you were into uh, Tim Burton stuff. You were into uh, you know uh, John Waters stuff. You were y- you were. I- it's it's not like you were you were just only watching Guillermo del Toro movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like true. W- did, did you feel like uh, it, it was something that that working on Coco made you look deeper into your own background and culture than you already did?
1: Yes. Definitely, I think uh, I really loved Alfonso Cuarón, and I think the mm. reason why I loved this work was because it wasn't like the very typical stereotypical Solo Mexican. Solo con tu pareja. Yeah, like yeah. I um I liked uh, th- my sister and I loved the, the little princess growing up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, then he like went on and like made a lot of awesome films after that, but you know it wasn't like the s- the typical like a day in Mexico. F- you know, a day filled with violence and guns. You know, it was and like and dust blowing through the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This was like completely different and just like very different worlds, based in different settings with like different actors, you know, from other places. So that was very cool because I'm like, wow, like a Mexican can like do international uh, work. You know, work internationally and like make films that don't have to do with like how bad our country is. And, like, uh, oh, my God, it's, like, such a small part of Mexico, too. Like, violence and guns and, like, drugs is, like, such a small part of who we are as, you know, a nation. And I feel like it's so – Mexico is so culturally rich and it has so much to offer that I'm actually very surprised, like, no one's done a film, you know, about, like, one of our holidays or, like, just, like, a day in a – a beautiful day in, like, the south of Mexico. You know, it's, like, there's so many beautiful – places where you can just like make awesome films and like no one's ever done um, that
0: yeah honestly somebody could make a remake monsoon wedding in mexico
1: yeah yeah know? or anything yeah and it's like well alfonso Cuarón ended up using like the mexican post office for green for green gods in harry potter yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> things <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, that right. it's like yes this is like beautiful you should use it so i don't know it's things like that that I, that I was like kind of like curious about um but it's never like I rejected my culture because I love it and I was so proud of it. I just like didn't want to be typecast, I guess. And then, you know, once I was in school and I made my, my portfolio that third year and my fourth year, I was like, I just am, I don't know, I think being far away from home made me miss it a lot. And I think that's when I started to be like, actually like Mexico is so beautiful. And like, there's so much that I can pull from that that I know. and. It's very designy and like visually appealing. And you know, I started like thinking about it and like kind of studying it more. And I'm like, yeah, like how come I never did this before? You know, like Guanajuato, like my hometown is like one of my favorite places in the world. And it's just so filled with like all these details and colors and like, you know, it's like a party all the time. And the architecture is so, so beautiful. It's like this Spanish colonial town, but also mixed with with a little bit of french sauce yeah yeah Yeah, so then it's like so awesome so i don't know it's you know once i left home for a long time i think that's when i realized how how like i always knew but it just like you know it was like i don't think i felt a lot of nostalgia for it i think and i only remembered the good things and like all the Beautiful parts about it, so I think that's when I started becoming more interested in it, and then once that I, you know, once I started working on Coco, of course, you know that that grew, and 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 I was learning so much, and I was like so invested in like this film and trying to make it good and like represent the, you know, our country.
0: Is there a particular um, aspect of, of Mexican design culture that you really gravitated to enjoying working on the most, whether it was the papel picao the embroidery on the dresses? I mean, was was there was there one of those that, w- that was particularly rewarding or interesting or fun to work on on Coco? Mm,
1: I, I had a lot of fun working on the set design. I mm-hmm. think that was the most fun because then I got to do a lot of research on like
0: well, a lot of that was the typography, too, because you were doing yeah. you were doing all those signs. Yeah, everything. and
1: the murals and stuff, but uh, I think for sets, I had a lot of fun just kind of, like, exploring the small details, you know? It's, like, the little juice stands, or, like, the gordita stands, or, like, the fruta picada stands, you know? All, th- all those things that, like, you don't often see, but they're everywhere in Mexico, you know? Like, I mean, you don't often see on the big screen, but, like, in real life, they're everywhere, and they're, like, the best <laughs> So I was, like, hungry the whole time when I was designing it. Um, but I think the papel picado is really, really uh, important to me because I had a lot of ownership over it, over it, you know, like I did. It's the first thing we see in the movie. Yeah, it's the first thing we see in the movie, and they're my drawings. Like, no one touched them, you know, like they use them as they are. And I was like, wow, they th- that's so cool. Like, I hadn't... <laughs> There, there's not a whole
0: lot that they have to do in rendering a 2D surface yeah, you know
1: it doesn't happen very often because everything's always like touched by so many people yeah, Like it's everyth- touched by
0: lighting it's touched by paint yeah
1: yeah everyone so then this is like one of the few things that I'm like oh I did that and they didn't change it and like they just kept it as is and like it's the opening of the film so I can say like I designed all of that and it makes me feel really proud um, so I would say that makes me feel the most proud but in general like I don't know. I can't really say that one thing was better than another because everything was like a learning hey. experience and all very fun.
0: All of the above is a suitable answer. Yeah, all so of the above. So last question on Coco, and then I have one one after that. So Miguel and the Grand Harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, you you've you've got this uh, children's book that you that you worked on. Uh, how did how did that come together?
1: Um. So Lee. Uh, Lee. Lee, Adrian and Harley really wanted me to illustrate the book. So actually when I was an intern, Scott Tilley, who works in publishing, went to my art to my review, my last review as an intern. And he's like, Hey, like you should illustrate books sometime and I was like, I would love to, that would be awesome and he's like, Maybe the Coco one, huh, ha, ha, ha I was like, Yeah, I would love that, ha ha And then I just went back to school and like didn't see him again for like three years. Even after I went back to Pixar, I just like wouldn't see him that often. Um, so then Lee, Darla, Adrian, and and Harley went to all these reviews about who would do which book and who would like work on what for like marketing and all in publishing and all that stuff. And then um, I think for a lot of illustr- a lot of illustrators are hired uh, f- as you know freelance and they work uh, in other branches at Disney uh, for other branches at for other Disney branches uh, but then yeah they're like oh Anna would be great to like do the Pixar book like you should ask her if she wants her to do it and like they just brought it up in a meeting and suggested it and then it just kind of stuck (laughs) so then Scott was like hey like your name came up in a meeting today how would you like to illustrate that book and I was like really like and then he's like yeah like I didn't even suggest it like they brought it up and I was like that's awesome yeah I would love to and then, like four months passed, so I was like, maybe they don't want me to do it anymore. Th- like I hadn't heard anything, so I emailed him just to know, and he's like, oh no, yeah, it just like takes a long time to like do all the paperwork and like get to that point, but like we definitely want you to do it, so like hang in there. So I did, and then uh, a few months later, like they were like, this is the script, and like this is when you start, and this is how long you get, and you know everything else, and I was so happy, and it was great. Um, I was actually given, like, way less time than I thought. I only had about a month and a half or two months to do everything, uh, which is crazy because I had a quota of two pages a week, I mean a day. Two pages a day, painted traditionally, uh, including weekends. So I was working, like, Saturdays and Sundays till like, 2 a.m. And that was all on me because they offered help, but I'm like, no, like, I want to have ownership, you know, over my book. And it's yeah. my first one, so I want to do it by myself and, like, you know, be like, this is my project, um, which seems a little selfish, but I think when you're an artist, it's like you w- do one ownership of over the few things you can get, oner, oner you, you can have ownership over, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, no, I want to do it myself um and then i just did it and i finished it barely like i finished it a week after the deadline and they were just like pushing it pushing it and being like is it ready and I was like oh i'm sick uh, you know but i was like still working on it and just like using as much time as i could to just like finish all the pages so i feel like a lot of the pages are really rushed and a lot of them kind of make me cringe a little bit. They're beautiful. Like They're beautiful. Thank you. I was no, just I mean like, y- I you wish talked I had You talked about when you
0: were an intern, looking at your work from when you were an intern and how it makes you cringe. Yeah. The stuff that makes you cringe is is part of the tapestry of what makes uh, people like me like weep <laughs> and oh cry no. after seeing a movie.
1: Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Um, I don't know. It's just knowing that you can do better. And that's always yeah. like, oh, no, if I had had two more days to do this or you know I, I would have made this better but I was happy with the result in the end because I know that in the time that I was given I did what I could and I couldn't have done any more. so I was yeah I was just very happy once it came out I was like yeah this is like this feels really good and um, that has opened the doors for other book um, you know opportunities so hopefully I'll keep making them yeah
0: so last one First, I have to say, long live Yuppie. Yeah,
1: love. Yeah, long <laughs> live Yuppie.
0: So, so, uh, so you, you made a, a graduate uh, film, and it's about three minutes long. Um, the, the thing that has really come through, as I've gotten a better appreciation for what exactly you did on Coco, having seen Coco, um, is something that I see all over So Long, Yuppie, uh, which is this very intense personal drive behind it. There's, there's, there's a lot of personality into it, it, it to the very small extent that I know you. <laughs> it feels so very much, so vividly like you. you know I, I sat there watching you for uh, talk for an hour and it, it feels very very much like y- you on the screen, uh, you know, doing things the way that you want to in the distinct style that you have, have, have scratched out for yourself. Did you have complete freedom to just you know, do what you wanted? Did you have to fight at all for, for how you, you put that film together?
1: No, funny story. Uh well Keller is great about like giving and thank you so much mm. that's very sweet. Um Keller is great about giving us freedom to do whatever we want, you know. All they care about is that we finish our films and that we go to class. <laughs> but not even like there's no grades or anything. It's very self-motivated, which is really cool. Um so no one was pressuring me to do that, but I was kind of sad because after my internship um during the year my third year i worked so hard on my portfolio that i completely ignored all my critical studies classes that i needed to graduate so then like once i was on my fourth year i came back you know from my pixar internship and i was like i want to do all these things and like create all these things and make a film and like work on my portfolio harder for next year and then i couldn't because i had all these classes that i had to take you know that were like required to graduate so I think I took about like 20 something credits that semester, uh, my first semester. No, the whole year, I think. I don't, I don't even remember it. I, I took so many credits for critical studies and I just like, that's all I did and I was kind of repressed with my art like the whole year just because like I didn't have time to do it. And I considered doing another year but it's so expensive so I was like, no, that's not viable, <laughs> like, that's not realistic. So I just like, st- you know, did my work, and I I finished all of those classes a month before graduation. So then I was like, well, it's kind of I was so exhausted, right? But then I was like, it's kind of lame to graduate from film school without making a film my fourth year. So I just like, w- didn't think about it very much. And like, I, we had been, you know, we have this like, uh, grad, no, it's not called grad, film class, where we. You know, of course, film workshop class every year, and we had it on our fourth year. And I was working with my, you know, all of my class, my, all of my classmates show their projects in this class, and then they're like, "This is what we want to do," and we show progress every week. And I wasn't doing anything for that class, and they understood, but like I always felt bad. And every time I saw how much progress my friends made, I would get really jealous and just like, "Oh man, that's so sad. Like I wish I could do that too." Um, but then so my, my my last month of school I was like, I'm gonna make a film and I just like wrote it really fast and you know, I had been thinking about this idea because I just thought it was so sad that like my sister gave her dog away. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, um I just like wrote it out and I told my sister about it and she thought it was mean. And I was like, Oh well you're mean, you know, like you shouldn't have done that. But anyway, I just, like, wrote it out and, like, started, you know, doing all the art for it. And that's what I started doing. I might have started doing art for it before, but I wasn't going to make a film. But then in the end, I just, like, pulled it together and, like, did all the animation. And I had a few friends help me out with some shots. And, like, one of my friends helped me edit it a little bit, too. And, like, uh, you know, and these are all my friends who had finished their films at the time. And they were just, like feeling bad for me because I was like not sleeping. I, w- I wouldn't sleep for the last week of school because I was working on that the whole time. So I think I did it in about like three weeks and a half. And then my parents showed up for graduation and I literally fell asleep on the table at the Thai restaurant that we were at because that was like the day that I turned in my film for, for the parent screening. And I had just finished it that day. So I was like exhausted and I like kept falling asleep everywhere. But I felt good that I did not Like, it made me happy because I'm like, that's what I'm here for. So I should make a film.
0: Okay. That's all I have for you. Yeah. I I have something stupid for you to entertain you because I appreciate you taking so much time with me. Yeah. I hope that you will remember me.
1: Yeah.
0: Though we have to say goodbye. Remember me. Coco's so good it made me cry. For even if you're far away, I hold this interview in my heart. I sing a grateful song to you. I'm sad that we must part. Remember me safe travels going far remember me each time alguien te va a entrevistar know that i am with you the only way that i can be until you s- i see you my friend again remember me
1: yeah bravo <laughs> i will re-